0: Hello everyone, this is Pastor Damien. You're listening to sermon audio from New City Orlando. At New City, we believe all of us need all of Jesus for all of life. For more resources, visit our website at newcityorlando.com. Thanks for listening.
1: Join with me in praying together aloud this prayer of illumination. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, teach us your ways and lead us in your truth. For you are the God of our salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 4, verses 3 through 5 and 23 through 25. Hear now the word of the Lord. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning.
0: Welcome to New City. My name is Damian. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning, I get to try out, I get to try my hand at what our Anglican brothers and sisters would call a homily, right? So uh, yes, I've... that was easy. That was easy. So essentially what I mean by that is rather than our normal longer sermon, I'm going to shrink this down for the purpose of today, because this will be an extended service already because of our exciting updates in New City Next, which we'll get to in a a few moments. But we're continuing on in our sermon series in Romans, we come to chapter 4. Chapter 4, as Ben said last week, every Bible nerd when they preach is going to want to say about a passage in Romans, this is the most important passage. I'm not going to say that, but I want to say that because it is a very important passage in Paul's argument in Romans. Paul's been building his argument over time, and last week we made the transition into the second phase of Paul's argument. And today, the way that I wanna get at this is to note that what and how you count says something about you. How you count things, as good or bad or right or wrong, what you count and how you count says says something about you. For example, I know what type of person you are. If you're teaching me to play a new game for the first time, and you say, don't worry, we won't count the first time you play. I know that that means you're a good and decent person. As opposed if you say, oh no, no, this counts right away, you got to keep up, right? So how you count tells me something about you. If you're a student writing a long paper for the first time, maybe you just entered college or graduate school, or maybe in high school you're writing for the first time, you'll ask a question like, hey, what counts as plagiarism? Right? (laughs) And that's gonna say something about you. Or, uh, if you're trying to earn a trip on credit card points, you're gonna read the fine print to know what counts as qualifying points, right, to earn this trip. Now, to get a little deeper, or maybe higher level, every day we're asking ourselves, whether we say these words or not, what counts as a productive day? Like, was today productive or not? How am I going to count that? Or the biggest question we might ask is, what actually counts as a good life? What do you count in the good life? How do you count? In Romans chapter 4, in 24 verses, Paul uses the word count 11 times, five times just in the handful of verses that we're going to look at today. Counting really matters in this point in Paul's argument. In fact, last week in Ben's sermon, chapter 3, verse 19 says this, the whole world will be held accountable to God. So maybe one of the most important questions at this point in Paul's letter is, How does God count? What does God count, in this case, as righteousness? What is he looking for? What is he looking at? How will he count his people righteous? Or as we, I don't know if we, but as they say in the South, how does God reckon people righteous? Right, this is a fundamental question. How does God count? Because how God counts matters. Now to count or to reckon is a financial term. And when used in context it means to put something in someone's account. And this is part of Paul's letter to the Romans as he's moving on, Paul wants to describe how it is that God puts righteousness to your account in Jesus Christ. How does God count righteousness to you or how does he put it to your account? So let's let's look here uh, at our verses here for what does the scripture say? You see, as Paul's been walking along in his argument, now he wants to come to the point where he wants to show us this is nothing new. This is nothing new to Paul. He wants to take us back to the Old Testament Scriptures where it starts in Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. So in order to keep clarifying what Ben showed us last week, that God justifies his people by faith, Paul looks back in the Old Testament to Abraham. At the beginning of our text, he says, For what does the Scripture say? And then he quotes Genesis 15, verse 6, by saying, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is a direct quote from Genesis 15. And then the next two verses, verses 4 and 5, Paul says there are two ways to credit something to someone's account. The first way is as wages. Something can be credited to your account because you worked for it. And so it's credited to you as your due. Look at verse 4. Now to the one who works... His wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. In the next verse, there's another way to count something to someone's account or to credit it to their account, and that is unearned as a free gift. Verse 5 says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So there are two ways. In verse 4, there's working and wages, In verse 5, there's believing or faith and a gift. Paul says these are the two ways that righteousness can be counted to you. So the question is, how does God count it? How does God count it? Now, this seems clear enough, but let me illustrate it. This isn't a perfect illustration, but I think it'll help us get at it. When I was in high school, my parents were members of Jasper Country Club. That's where I'm from. And in the summertime, when I was in high school, I'd take my three younger siblings many days during the summer to the pool. And we would be there, we'd swim, we'd stay there all day. And there was a a concession area that had access to the full kitchen. And so we were just living it up. I mean, we would walk up, we'd order snacks, we'd order food, we'd order drinks. We'd be there all day long. And it was great. And at the end of the day, when I was rounding them up, and it was about time to pay, I would go up and I would give them my father's name, and all of his money would be credited to me. So you might say, hey, how much money do you think you spent over the years? I have no idea. It wasn't my money. I wasn't really worried about it. All I knew is that every time I went and said his name, apparently he had money because it was credited to me. And I walked out and nobody ever called the cops, right? So that matters, right? And so, notice at the beginning of the story, I didn't say we were members of the Jasper Country Club. I said my parents were members of the Jasper Country Club. And that goes for any, any kids in here, you're not members, your parents are, but because you're with them, you get to come along, right? So, there, but, but a few years later, the same country club, in between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I went and worked there as, on the grounds crew of the golf course. And imagine with me, One of the perks that you got was you could go to the pro shop uh, when you were working and you had a certain amount of credits for drinks and snacks. And so, as I went in to the pro shop on certain days and ordered drinks and snacks, I would give them my name and they would credit to me the credits that were due to me for working. Come on, okay, yeah, they would credit to me, right? And so, what's the difference? Same place. Two ways to credit an account, right? The first one was I went up and gave my dad's name and all of his money was credited to my account. The other way is because I worked there, I got a certain amount of credits, I'd give my name and they would credit it to my account because it was due to me. Paul is saying these are the two ways, the only two ways that righteousness can be credited to you. So how does God count righteousness? How does God credit it. Well, I want to read a quote by John Stott, and I don't know if we've preached a sermon in Romans yet and not quoted John Stott. It's so good, so succinct. This is what he said. If anything is clear in the antithesis between verse 4 and verse 5, it's that the crediting of faith as righteousness is a free gift, not an earned wage, and that it happens not to those who work, but to those who trust. And indeed, who trusts the God, who far from justifying people because they are godly, actually justifies them when they are ungodly. Listen, this last part might be the most amazing part about Paul's argument in Romans 3 and 4. It's that God justifies the ungodly. The text says nothing about God seeing anything lovely in Abraham. That's not what Paul is pointing out. He's not saying God saw something lovely in Abraham, so he called him. No, It doesn't say anything about that when he calls him in Genesis 12. God's gift makes no sense because it's not deserved and it's not fitting. Now, on our Equip podcast, I want to give you uh, an assignment. On our Equip podcast, our theologian in residence, Mike Allen, interviewed a colleague and friend of his, Jonathan Linebaugh, who's a New Testament scholar, a Pauline scholar, and they talk about Romans 3 and 4. And in those 30 minutes, there is gold. So please go listen to this. And I'm pulling from some of this. So if any of this sounds like, oh, that's amazing that the Bible teaches that, go listen to the rest, because I just ripped them off, okay? So go listen to them. But this is what's so amazing about this verse, that God justifies the ungodly. We might expect God to look and find something in Abraham and say, you know, it's not perfect, but I'll count that. Like, I'll count that. He really tried. This seems fitting enough for me to give him righteousness. But that's not what happened at all. It's the opposite. God justifies the ungodly, not the kind of godly, not the they have good potential godly, but the ungodly. This is, these are the only people that exist, And they're the only people that God can justify. He calls something out of nothing in verse 17, which we didn't read. He raises the dead. And God takes people who are not righteous in themselves, and in Christ, he makes them righteous. This is how God counts. God counts you and me righteous in our trust in Christ, not because anything in us. You know, to put it so poignantly, in the podcast as they were talking Martin Luther comes up. Now, we said in the very beginning of this sermon series, we, we mentioned a, a number of people who have talked about Romans being so critical in church history. And one of them was Martin Luther. Now, we know of his 95 theses, many of us, in 1517, but in 1518, Martin Luther was invited to participate in, in a disputation. We might call it a debate. And he was invited because they wanted him to expound upon his new understanding of Paul's teaching in Romans, among other things. And there there end up being a number of theses that he gives and expounds upon. And the last thesis is this. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to him. The love of God does not find that which is pleasing, but he creates it. This is the gospel. This is what Paul is teaching, is that he didn't see Abraham And find something pleasing to him and choose Abraham. That's not how it went. He made what he wanted. He created in Abraham what Abraham did in response. This is the gospel. It is the great reversal, as Ben said. So, in other words, say it God does not love his people because they are attractive to him. We become attractive to him because he loves us first. This is the gospel. This is what is so clear. God counts this way. He doesn't look at you and find something pleasing and say, I'll count that. There's nothing in you that's pleasing apart from Jesus. And He makes in you that which is pleasing. He tells the the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, He says, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Behold, the old things have gone away and the new things have come. God does find you pleasing in Christ. But he made you pleasing in Christ. He created that which is pleasing to him. Now we might say, well, that might be true of Abraham. That might be, have been true then. But look what Paul says in verse 23. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Listen, if you've never believed in this Jesus, know this, you don't have to get your life together. In fact, you can't get your life together in a way to offer anything pleasing to God. You only lay it all down and put your faith in Jesus. In this case, faith is the gift of looking away from yourself. Looking away from your works, looking away from your righteousness, looking away from the work of your hands, only to Jesus. And when you do that, God counts that to you as righteous. That is the only way this works. Now, if you've been in Jesus for a long time, this is a reminder of why Paul's good news is good news. It's because God loves you and has created in you what is pleasing to him. By you looking away from yourself to Jesus, you have been made righteous. That's what it says. Those who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead, it will be counted to you. It's already yours. There's freedom there. The Christian life is one of response. It's one of following. It's not one of striving and creating. This is the good news this morning. Now, as we think about in a moment looking forward to New City Next, What you need to know is, if God chooses to use New City at all, and insofar as he has used New City at all, it was not because he saw anything pleasing in us. It was not because he saw anything pleasing in the leaders or the people who helped found this church at the beginning. Whatever God has done is because he has made it so, by his mercy, by his grace. And if anything continues on, it will be because of his might, his power, his grace, and his mercy. Let's pray. Father, we come to you so grateful that in Jesus, you have made us lovely. Thank you that you didn't see our potential and say, that one's got a shot, because we know that's not true. We know it in our heart. We're so grateful that Paul teaches us so clearly that this is how you've always counted. You've always known that if your people are to be righteous, you must make it so. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.